Take your Bibles, if you would, and go to Psalm chapter 6. Psalm chapter 6. There is an underlying truth behind this psalm. And let me kind of get you prepared for what you're going to read. We believe that we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. We believe that the Bible teaches clearly that once you're saved, you have eternal security. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. You won't lose your salvation. Now, there is a term, once saved, always saved. That can kind of be a dangerous term because you turn that into I'll live any way I want and get away with it. So this verse right here, this passage is going to help us. Once you get saved, you're in the way. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, the Bible says, He that had begun a good work in you will fulfill it. He'll complete it. He saved you, and he'll take you all the way through. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, it says, All things work together for good. Them that love God are called according to his purpose. But then it said, But you have been predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. So God's going to work in your life to get you where you're supposed to be. So when you belong to Jesus, when you get saved, when you're for sure born again, and that's the question, are you really born again? When you're born again, you need to know something. You really don't own yourself anymore. And your life isn't yours, and you don't live the way you want to and get away with it. I think that ought to sink in. You don't live the way you want to and get away with it. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how powerful you are. It doesn't even matter if you're the king of Israel. So David, in this story, has become the most powerful man in his country. He is the king of Israel. He is married. He has various wives and concubines, and he has money, and he has power, and he has soldiers that will fight at anything he wants them to do. They'll just do that for him. And uh, one day, when David should have been at war, instead of going to war, David stayed home and sent his soldiers to do his job. And while he's at home not doing his job, one evening, he looks across the He's on the rooftop of his house. He looks over and sees a lady taking a bath. And she's a beautiful lady. And, well, he's a king. And so he can get and do anything he wants to do. And so David uh, asks her to come over. He sends word to her to come to his house. And before long, David is found committing adultery. And when he commits adultery, she gets pregnant. He meant it to be a one time or a few times of fun, and then it would all be over, and she'd go back to her life, and he'd go back to his life, and there would be no consequences. But sin has consequence. And so she comes to him and says, uh, hey, I'm pregnant. I'm with child. And David's like, oh, my goodness, we have got to cover up this sin. I, I cannot let this politically embarrass me. If CNN finds out about this, I am toast. If uh, Fox News comes over, I'm in big trouble. And so David calls her husband, Uriah, to come home from the battle. So he, and he's one of David's, David has like 30 men that are like the most special men to him. Uriah is one of those. And so he has David, has Uriah come home. And David's goal is that Uriah will go spend the night at his house. And then the baby will be a preemie. He'll be born at seven months and look like nine months, but uh, he'll get away with it. But Uriah feels like it's wrong for him to enjoy the comforts of his home and his own bed and his wife while his soldiers are still at the battlefield, which should have been what David was thinking, but David didn't think that. And so he won't go. So David gets him drunk 
and uh, hoping that drunk he'll lose his perspective and he'll go home to his wife, but he doesn't do it. So then David writes a letter to the, the general on the battlefield and puts it in Uriah's hand and says, just put him in the hardest pot as part of the battle, pull back and leave him alone so he gets killed, and then I'll act like it's okay. Don't worry. You'll be covered. And he thinks he gets away with it. He's now married to her, and he's trying to cover it up. He, I mean, it's a real, you know, you can imagine that. It's a real quick deal. Uriah's dead. And the, the baby's going to be born, and, and they get married. And then one day, the preacher shows up. A prophet comes from God. And he tells David this story. He says to David, he said, there was this real rich man who had dozens and dozens of sheep, and somebody came to eat supper with him, and he wanted to have lamb barbecue, and he didn't want to have to barbecue one of his, and his neighbor only had one. So he went over to his neighbor's house and stole his sheep and barbecued it. And uh, David said, well, that, that's ridiculous. That will not go on in my kingdom. That man, and he starts to name, he's going to have to die, he's going to have to pay, blah, 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 blah. And then when David gets through blowing his stack, Nathan just goes, talking about you, buddy. And then he says to David, your sin has brought horrible consequences on your life. Now, the Bible will not quit calling David a man after God's own heart. David will still be loved and revered by God. God will still have a very warm love for David. But sin has consequence. And God's people do not get a free ticket to do anything they want to do. You are bought with a price. You are not your own. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And so, before I go to the psalm, and we're going to read through the psalm and, 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 and learn a little bit, can I just remind you that if you're really born again, the Lord has supposedly, if the scriptures are true, he's already dealt with you. It might have been a rebuke, and it might have been chastisement, but when you're God's, you don't get to do what you want to do. You ever been there? You say or do something, and uh, nobody even necessarily knows, but something inside says, that wasn't right. I like that. What? But you know, if you're a born-again believer, God just spoke to you. And God said, I don't like that attitude. I don't like that action. I don't like whatever it was, and you, you knew that. Some of us have even sinned far enough that we've not only felt the rebuke, but we felt the discipline when God brought something to happen in our life that really got our attention. With David, it'll be that one of his sons will rape one of his daughters, and then one of his sons will kill the son who raped the daughter, and uh, then the baby will die that he and Bathsheba had. I mean, and there will be war and blood, and his family will be destroyed. And, but God still loved David, because once you're in the family, you're in. Here's a scriptural truth. You don't spank somebody else's children, but you do spank yours. I know some of y'all don't believe in that, but it's still in the Bible. And when I was a boy, you know, uh, my daddy had the biggest hands God ever put on a human. Some of you knew him, and you know I'm telling the truth. I mean, he had ham hocks for hands. And uh, he would 
let me sit always in front of him and never behind him and always close enough he could reach me. And sometimes I'd get to talking in church and he'd just go. And it's a little church. And everybody in the room was like, oh, Charles Gardner's on the prowl. And we were scared. But if I did too much more, I'd feel this. Bam. And when his thumb, his finger hit my back of my head, hit my head, bounced off the pulpit. We'd get in the car and he'd say, my son doesn't act like that in church. I'd be like, well, I just did. <laughs> I just want you to know when it's your kid. Sometimes I'd go somewhere and my dad would say, you better remember whose boy you are. I was uh, at the dentist's office one night, one day, getting my teeth worked on. I'm like 16. And uh, the dentist is working on me, and he goes, huh, been smoking, huh? I'm like, no. He said, oh, you've been smoking. Back of your teeth tell me the whole story. Maybe a pack or two. I got home, I went straight to my daddy, because I knew that dentist knew my daddy. And I figured a confession is good for the soul and maybe saves you from dying. <laughs> so I said, Dad, I just want to tell you, I kind of stumbled along the way, I smoked a few. That dentist didn't tell him. That made me so mad. He would have never known if I hadn't got all messed up and told him myself. That's the story here. Go with me if you would in your Bible. This is the first of seven penitential psalms, seven psalms where the psalmist will express great sorrow for the sins of God's people. It's a cry to be restored to God's fellowship. Not you lost your salvation, but you're just outright with God. David will say in Psalm 51, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. David, this psalm happened sometime after his sin with Bathsheba and killing Uriah. I would like to say to you that I wish you'd learn how to practice praying scripture. And so like if you're in a bad place and this is, we're still not to the, out, to the message or whatever, but listen to this, you might want to learn how to pray scripture. Like if, when you aren't really right with God, you know, the best way to talk to God is using his own language. This is a good way to pray. You could say, oh Lord, rebuke me not in mine anger, in thine anger. God, I've done wrong. I know I've done wrong. I want to get it right. And God, if you just stay your hand and wouldn't whip my backside so much. Chasten me not in the hot, the hot displeasure and just pray this to God. Let it become your heart. You know, when you sing a song, we, the songwriter and the song leader and these people singing with them and this, these musicians are handling this, what they all want to happen is for that song to become your song and for that song to be them expressing your feelings to God and so that you would, during the special music or during the song service, you would say, you are my God. And there is no one like you, and I'm here to worship you. And, that, and the idea would be that you would get into that song and let that song get into you, and you'd lift your heart and worship. That's what's going on. This is a psalm. This is a song. This is where you emotionally connect with God. When David does this psalm, he is a broken man. Point number one, I want you to write this. I really wish you'd write some things down today. I don't really push that a lot, but you really should. Number one, God only chastens those that are his. You ought to write that down. He only disciplines or chastens those that are his. In Psalm 6, 1, the Bible says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. David can deal with the fact that God is disciplining him because he realizes he belongs to God. And you know, you can deal with getting disciplined when you know you belong to him. 
Now, I want to take you to Hebrews chapter 12, and I wish you'd make a note of that right in the margin of your Bible here. Hebrews chapter 12. That Hebrews in 12 is a New Testament explanation of what's going on here. Hebrews chapter 12. You need to, this is Bible, so you just got to accept it. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, if you would. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. Now, underline. God's given an exhortation as unto children. Underline that. You are, how many of you belong to God? Say amen. amen. You're a child of God. He's our father. He's our savior. Jesus is our big brother as unto children. Underline, my son, my son. Now look at this. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. And I want you to underline the word despise not. You need to know something. When God disciplines you, it's a clear sign you're his. Did you know the drunkard drinks and never thinks about it? It's normal, everyday behavior. But the born-again believer who does that, something says, uh-uh. Elsa came to me in Adikipa. Elsa, we led Elsa to Christ a few weeks before, and Elsa had been a fallen-down drunk, and when she got saved, she quit on that alcohol immediately. And a few weeks later, Elsa came to church, and she looked like she had been beat up. I mean, she, her face was haggard, her hair was a mess, there was no joy in her life, no joy in her eyes, and she was just really defeated. And so I went to her and I said, man, what's going on? What are you dealing with? She said, I lost it. I don't have it anymore. You know, he saved me, but not anymore. And I said, what happened? She said, you know, I went and got drunk. And she said, I feel like trash. She said, I have never felt this bad in my life. And I said, well, praise the Lord. And she looked at me like, what in the world is your problem? And I said, so did you used to feel like this when you got drunk? She said, never in my life. And I said, well, maybe you belong to God now. And God's saying to you, Elsa, my children don't do this. And she said, what can I do about it? I said, I want you to tell the Lord you're sorry. and You want to do right and just get up, go back to work, serve Jesus. And she did. God gave her joy back and she realized, I belong to Jesus. I don't get to do what I did before. Say amen. As unto children, my son, despise now not. Don't get mad when God spanks you or deals with you when you're rebuked of him. Verse 6, because he does it to those he loves. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Did you write to underline that? For the ones God loves, he disciplines. And then it uses a word that's an extremely horrible word. He scourges them. That's like whipping. That's like what they did to Jesus with a cat of nine tails. They scourged him. Every son. Verse 7. He's reminding you you're his. If you endure chastening, God deals with you. Look at it. As with sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? You know what? <laughs> You know what? Even your kids, they want to know there's limits. They want to know you care enough about them to say no. And so what he's saying here is, if God's dealing with you, you ought to realize you're part of his family. You know, you can do any kind of behavior you want to if you're lost, and it's like you get away with it. Sometimes we even look and we say, now, how do they do that? They can lie and steal and cheat. They can commit immorality, and they seem to get away with it because they're not part of the family, guys. 
They're not on their way to heaven. They're not blood-bought. They don't belong to Jesus. Father chastens. If he doesn't chasten you, you're not his. Verse, verse 8. If you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you illegitimate children. You are bastards. You are not sons. You really don't belong to the Father. Now, we don't use that word like that anymore. It's a cuss word today. But you know what it meant? It meant that, that that's not really yours. That's not really your child. And so the Father wouldn't discipline you because you're not his. I mean, if, I had, if we had a man in our church going around whipping everybody in this building, there's all the little kids, he's spanking them, slapping them on the head. And, and just, I'd be like, hey, man, whoa, 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 back off. Take care of yours and leave everybody else alone. Amen? Uh, because that's not your place. You're the dad, but you're the dad of your kids. And God said, if you're mine, I will discipline you. So before we get to Psalm 6, you need to understand that David's getting a spanking because David belongs to God. And you don't get, God's people don't get to live the way they want. You should respect your discipline, the chastisement. Look at verse 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we loved them for it. We gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection and obedience to the Father of spirits and live? For our earthly dads disciplined us, chastened us after their own pleasure. I don't know if you ever done, done this, but you know, a lot of times your discipline is you just don't want to get embarrassed. Like, sit down and be quiet so nobody knows you're an idiot, like I know. Sit down and be quiet, don't be causing trouble here, but I think I'm not a good dad. Sometimes we discipline our kids for our pleasure. But he said, God did it for our profit. What was our profit? Look at the verse that we might be partakers of his holiness. You need to understand something about being saved. When you get saved, you don't get saved so you don't go to hell. You get saved to love Jesus. You get saved to walk away from darkness and to walk towards light. You get saved to walk away from sin and walk towards holiness. That's who we are. We belong to God. Amen. Partakers of his holiness. And it's not fun. Being disciplined by God's not fun. Being disciplined by your children or by your parents isn't fun for any child. Verse 11 said, now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous. I, just to be honest, getting a spanking, getting a dealt with, getting a talking to isn't exactly fun, but it's grievous, sad, causes you grief. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised. Now listen to me before I read one more verse and we get to that psalm. Now watch, as, as a born-again believer, I'm serving God, and this is the way I'm supposed to be walking. I'm supposed to be handling my money to please Him. I'm supposed to be handling my marriage to please Him. I'm supposed to be handling my time to please Him. It's all Jesus, all Jesus, all Jesus. And if that's not how you feel, you're not really born again, or if you are, you're off the track. If you don't realize it's not about work, it's not about money, it's about your relationship with God. And so all of a sudden, this guy's over here, and as he's walking, he decides to take a detour and go over here and do some sin. And God says, I'm not putting up with that. We'll use marriage just for a second. If I'm loving Jesus, I'm going to love my wife. If I'm loving Jesus, you know, you don't have to work at being a good husband. If you work at being a good Christian, he'll keep saying to you, be sweet. 
Treat her right. Do what y'all do. Because when you love Jesus, he keeps telling you what to do. Amen. So if you love Jesus and you're a wife, you're going to submit to your husband. You're going to reverence your husband. You're going to respect your husband. And all of a sudden, here I am, and I decide, you know what? I think I'll just get off the path, and I'll get over here in the porn field, or I'll get over here in the adultery field, or I'll get over here and doing something wicked and wrong. If you belong to Jesus, he will deal with you. Now, let me just, we don't get to dishonor our marriages. I, I'm probably making some enemies today, but the stronger Christians in the room are all agreeing with me. We don't get to do that. And what God, you don't lose your salvation. He just whips your fanny. Well, how's he whip your fanny? I don't know. Catches you. Exposes you. Embarrasses you. Because what he wants is for you to say, oh, God, I'm wrong. I'm going back to where I'm supposed to be to do right. Say amen if that's true. David is a man after God's own heart. As a boy, he's writing songs. As a young man, he's killing a giant. All the way, God's working in his life. And one day, David just gets fat, sassy, and lazy and chooses to go over to this woman that's not his. And he never really meant to get off track that long because when you get in sin, it just swallows you. And so all of a sudden, he was like, one night of fun. I'm sure he thought, I'll just talk to her. I mean, it'd be nice to just get her close and look at her and talk to her. I'll not do any more. And the next thing you knew, he did more and he did more and he did more. And he's enveloped in sin because it snares you and tears you apart. And so David's all of a sudden, he's just messed up. And she finds out she's pregnant. He kills a man. He would have never killed a man. That's not who he is. And then David gets a message from God and says, you're the man. And David says, can I get back over here? Anyway, I can get back over here. Anyway, I can get back over here. Now, when God's dealing with you, you need to handle your discipline right. Look at chapter 12 and verse 12. Cheer up. See, God will spank hard. He said it wasn't pleasant. But when you're getting spanked, you should cheer up. 12, 12. Lift up the hands. You're like, <laughs> God don't love me no more. I've just really ruined my life. That's not what's going on here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, don't get bitter. You see, what you do is like, well, I done messed up, so I'll just keep messing up. Chapter 12, verse 12 says, looking diligently, wake up and pay attention, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Do you, do you know what happened? Listen to me, when you mess up, if you belong to God, God's like, I got grace to get you out of that. I got goodness to help you get victory over this. I'll bring you back to where you're supposed to be. I told you when I saved you that I would carry you all the way through. I told you that I'd work everything in your life for your good. Because I made you to be like Jesus, and I'm working on that in you. Don't fail of the grace of God. Don't get to the point where God won't help you. But instead of that, they let a root of bitterness spring up, and many are defiled. Discipline is God bringing you back to knowing he really is God. You know what you're going to hear in Psalm 6 over and over? God, God, God. Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. You aren't thinking, oh, Lord, when you're saying, I'm going to go sleep with that woman. You aren't thinking, oh, Lord, when you're going to go kill a man. But when David's getting right, and they've said, oh, Lord, the chastisement has broken David. In his haughty, king-like spirit, he sat on the throne and said, I can do anything I want to do. Nobody will tell me what to do. I'm a grown man. Bless God, I'll do what I want to do. 
But now he's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Read the verses with me. Verse 1. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. You got anger. Oh, Lord. Rebuke me not in thine anger. Oh, Lord. Rebuke me not in thine anger. Neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Oh, Lord. Have mercy upon me. For I am weak, O Lord. Heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? How long? Discipline starts with God rebuking you. You should underline in verse 1, rebuke me not. Same same thing in Hebrews chapter 12. Can, Can I just tell you? When you're doing wrong and you're a born-again believer, you should be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. And he steps in there and he says, you know I'm not pleased with that. I didn't say the preacher said that. I didn't say your wife said that. I didn't say your husband said that. If you're born again, the Holy Spirit's like, mm-mm, don't like it. And you'll know it. You say, how do you know it? I don't know how to tell you. But how many of you have ever felt it say amen? I mean, <laughs> one night this lady, this missionary called our house and and how do you keep it? I mean, it, it, it's going to be sunlight by about 4.30 a.m. So you got to go to bed reasonably early because the light floods into your bedroom by 6 o'clock. It's like noon there. And so it was still new to the country. And this missionary said, I'll bring this table right over to your house after, after our church service. I'll be there about 8 o'clock. Well, they didn't show up till 10. Man, by 10, I was fit to be tired. I wanted to go to bed. I'm getting up at about 5.30 or 6, not because I want to, because I'm not spiritual or that disciplined, but the sun's in the room, and it's kind of hard not to sleep unless you got blinders on. And so she shows up about 10. Her and her husband show up at about 10, and, and they say something like, uh, sorry, I know it's a little bit late. And I was like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, two hours after what she said. And they said, oh, sorry, sorry. And they unload the tables real quick got out of my house. And I went back towards my bedroom, and the Lord said, that ain't how we talk. I was like, no, excuse me. They said 8 o'clock. 10 o'clock ain't 8 o'clock. But me and the Lord knew it, man. By the time I got back to my bedroom, I was like, my knees were weak, and my hands were hanging low, like it said in Hebrews. So I had to call them up and say, I'm very sorry. I was acting like a jerk. You know why I did that? It wasn't Betty. It was him. Boy, he's nosy. Amen. He's like, I've been to your house. I know you, boy. (laughs) David cries, I'm vexed. That means I'm weak, I'm faint, I'm troubled, I'm terrified. How long, God, I need mercy. God, you're whipping me long enough. God simply wants us to acknowledge our sin and obey him. I'm sure no one's ever had this with There's a a time when you're just like, can we get back to peace in this house? Or if you like grew up like I did, daddy used to grab me by one hand and take a belt in the other hand, and I ran in a circle. And I just prayed for him to get tired. Say amen. (laughs) David says, how long? You see, David wants in verse 4 a chance to serve God. He doesn't want it to end. He says, return, O Lord. Come back, God. I used to have a sweet relationship with you. I used to walk with you. It used to be special. Return and rescue me. Deliver my soul. Save me because you're sweet, because of your mercies. I don't deserve it. Just save me for your mercies. God, don't kill me. 
Because if I'm dead, there's no remembrance of you. I can't give you thanks if I'm dead. God, if you will be so kind to give me another chance. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I'll remember you this time. Because, see, you don't remember God when you're sneaking off to have sex with Bathsheba, do you? you can we be honest? When you're being unfaithful to your wife and sleeping with Bathsheba, you're not thinking about God. I, mean, I really don't think David went, God, turning you off. I think David just said, I ain't got time to think about it. I got to think about my own lust and my desire of doing what he wanted to do. I will live thanking you for who you are and all you do. Are you tired of living in the consequences of sin? You don't have the joy you once had. The tenderness is gone. You don't have it anymore. You've kind of got powerful, hadn't you? You're like a king sitting on a throne, get to do what you want, and God can just, it's time to turn back to the Lord and do right. Look how bad the consequences get in Psalm chapter 6 and verse 6. I am weary. Oh, God. My groanings, I cry all night long. Now I don't sleep all night. Make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. I've cried till I can't cry anymore. My eyes seem like they're dissolving. I can't take it. All around me are my enemies. I have great sadness. I don't sleep at night. I just cry at night. My life is falling apart. My grief is eating me alive. Did you know your sin can separate you from God? Not to go to hell, but to have that sweet peace. Now I lay me down and sleep. I just trust God. That's what he did in some of the other psalms we've already been through. And God's at work disciplining you to bring you back. There was a time you hungered for the word of God. There was a time you spent time in prayer. There was a time at the invitation you weren't thinking about, let's get out of here. Good night, he's going overtime again. There was a time you wanted to serve God. He just disciplined you to bring you back. And so we end the psalm with David knowing, I'm back. Look, if you would, at chapter 6 and verse 8. See, God has heard his prayers. And David says, I don't want anything to do with sinners anymore. I don't want anything to do with sinners. I don't want anything to do with sin. 6 8. Depart from me, all you workers of a new. Get out of here, all you that do wrong. I don't want to do wrong anymore. I want to serve God. For the Lord hath heard the weep voice of my weeping. You see, sin separates us from that closeness with, and that intimacy with God. And what we have to do is choose God over self and sin. David said, I don't want the workers of iniquity anymore. I don't need Joab killing my friends for me anymore. I don't need my buddies going to get Bathsheba and bringing her to me anymore. Y'all get away from me. And he realizes that God has heard him. In Psalm 6, 9, the Lord, the almighty God, the God of the universe, the creator God, the judge God has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Cry out to God. Get right with him. Do not continue making excuses for your sin. We're called to live holy lives. 
We're called to honor God. We're called to love his book. <laughs> I mean, we are not like anybody we're around, except people that serve God. This world's not like us. The world's not my home. I'm just a passing through. And David knows you'll have victory. Psalm 16. Let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. All around David now is Absalom and the, the armies that want to kill him. And maybe that's when this prayer is actually written. It's all a consequence of David and Bathsheba. But now his life is truly falling apart. He's been run out of the city. He's had dirt kicked on him and people mocking him. He has fallen because sin will take you down. You might get away with it longer than you expected, but it will take you down. The sin and demons that want to harm David will lose. He is now submitted to God and the devil will flee. God stands ready for your confession. Turn from your sin. Submit to God and live in victory. You need to look at yourself. I have no idea about anything. I just preached the next chapter. But maybe you don't handle your money right. Maybe at work you're flirting and messing with someone else's wife and not your own. Maybe you have a dark corner of the internet you go to. Maybe you're lying and stealing and cheating. I don't even know about it. To be blunt honest with you, I don't know about anybody doing anything. But he knows. He sees you at work. He sees the way you are with your secretary or your cubicle couple. He knows the way you talk to the lady who delivers the tables too late at night. He doesn't need the dentist to talk to your dad about your smoking. He knows. You get the point. He's God. There was a day you read your Bible. You were involved in discipleship. You didn't miss church. You really lived for Jesus. Those days are gone. He stands ready to hear your confession. It's time for you to turn from your sin. It's time for you to submit to God. It's time for you to live in victory. Here's the truth. Sin cost, and it cost a lot. David didn't lose his salvation. He lost the joy of his salvation. But he watched his son rape his daughter, his baby die, his son kill his son. And his son take over his kingdom and take his wives and his favorite people threw him out of his kingdom. Those things were written to us for an example. And the modern day Christianity has it like, well, we're saved. We can do anything we want. Now, have you read the Bible? We're a marked group of people. We're different. We're blood-bought. We're called out of the world. The beautiful thing of all things is God didn't throw David away. David didn't lose his salvation. He lost the joy of his salvation. But by the end of Psalm 6, he said, he heard me. Let's quit playing with God. Let's quit playing with sin. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. 
even in this invitation, there's very likely that you're going to hear him say, you know what I'm talking to you about. He's going to say, that preacher didn't know anything, but I know. I know, and you know. I just want to say to you, get it right. This is a warning. I brought you here. I put this service together. Not me, him, him. He's saying, get it right. If you don't, money's become your God. You live a covetous lifestyle. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Just be sensitive.